Welcome back, Just Fantasy Baseball. Today we're running through 11 through 20 of the top-ranked pitchers in fantasy baseball. This isn't necessarily our rankings for these pitchers, but kind of the way we're doing this is we're going down an ADP leaderboard and just, you know, basically analyzing where these guys are being taken. Do we like where they're being taken? Do we like these guys as potential arms on our fantasy baseball teams this year? I'm your host, Colby Olson, joined as always by Clay Snowden. Clay, before we get into it, we will get to pitchers in one second. But today is a great day because I am a Syracuse alum and Jim Beheim is gone. He is gone. Adrian Autry is stepping in as head coach. And I am almost certain that they kicked Jim Beheim to the curb finally. His kids aren't there anymore. He can't recruit anymore. He can't coach. He hasn't been able to coach an offense for, you know, God knows how long. Since I've been, went to school there. I graduated two years ago. But great day to be a Syracuse Orange. I did not know that that happened. So this is my live reaction. I think that guy sucks. <laughs> I mean, Jim has done incredible things for Syracuse, but being that he's about to turn 80 years old or whatever, like I think that anybody that's 80 years old should not be coaching a basketball team or running the country or any of that. Like we just don't need that. So Jim Bayham's gone. We get a, a a former Syracuse basketball player and Adrian Autry to run the team now. And hopefully, hopefully we can get winning back to Syracuse. But speaking anyway, that's of my older only... people in their profession, that's a good segue into our it's first a really good player segue. today, Colby. Why don't you go ahead and take it away? Yeah, we get to talk about Justin Verlander, who is... I mean, like, I would almost say that he's aged like fine wine clay, but I don't think that that is even hyperbolic enough to describe how good Justin Verlander has been after, you know, not only turning 35, right? He turns 35, he goes to Houston, he has this resurgence, has a 2.52 ERA in 2018, then backs up with a 2.58 ERA in 2019 as a 36-year-old. And then what happens? Well, he gets Tommy John surgery. So he misses basically the entire 2020 season, misses the entire 21 season, and then returns as a 39-year-old coming off of Tommy John surgery, which I don't know if there is an even example of that happening. Like a guy returning from Tommy John at that age. I don't think anybody does return from Tommy John at that age. And not only did he return from Tommy John at 39 years old and throw 175 innings, well... He had a 1.75 ERA and won the American League Cy Young Award. Like it is in it's it almost isn't that talked about enough how good he was last year. Right? He was he was absolutely incredible and made me look like a clown because I thought he was done. Like I just did not see because he beat the odds, right? Like that's not something that people do. He was an absolutely incredible a player who has just been awesome pretty much throughout his entire career i mean this is a guy with a three uh 3.4 era or lower every year since 2014 like this is just a rock solid starting pitcher every single year we're gonna say man is is now the year that he starts to dip in production and 
I don't think he's there yet after what we saw last year. This is this guy's five years older than Jacob DeGrom, right? Like, yeah, doesn't it, it seem like DeGrom's kind of like, oh man, he's aging and the injuries. Like, this is a guy who's five years older, had a big injury, came back. Like, he's just a unicorn. I literally have zero fears about Justin Verlander going into this year. Clay, he's throwing the same velocity. He's averaging 95 miles an hour on his fastball right now. That's the same that he was averaging back in 2018. And if you go even further back, I mean, like, he is basically the same pitcher he was when he was younger at age 39 and now going to be age 40. The cool thing is there have not been many pitchers to really succeed past age 40. And I think Verlander is really going to be the first one that we see that does. Um, You know, he has made some adjustments too, right? He's thrown his fastball less. Last year, he threw a slider and curveball more, keeping batters off balance. He's not going to straight. His strikeout rate dipped last year from where it was in previous years. But who cares? Like, this guy has an elite feel for the command of all of his pitches. And, you know, I don't expect... I really don't see that much regression. I mean, obviously we're going to see regression from a 1.75 ERA. Like, I don't know how you even build off of that. But even if he's a 3 ERA, a 2.75 ERA, whatever it is, he's going to provide elite value across the board. And he plays on the freaking Mets. So, yeah, I don't see any regression coming from from Justin Verlander. But that brings us to the next guy that's going right after him, Max Scherzer. I mean, I think I skipped over Dylan Cease. But... Let's just go right to Max Scherzer because it just makes sense to talk about Scherzer, who's also on the Mets, who's also aging. Age, he's moving into what? His age 37 season now? 38. 38? And again, a guy that's aged like fine wine, right? 2021 as a 36-year-old, he puts up a 2.46 ERA. And I'll take all the blame for that one because like you said, Clay, about how you were doubting Verlander last year, I was all aboard the Max Scherzer as wash train after he put up a 3.74 ERA in 2020. I was like, yep, all right, here it is, the regression of Max Scherzer, you know, 35 going to 36. Oh, he's done. Yeah, and then what does he do? Puts up a 2.46 ERA. And then what does he do last year? He gets even better, basically. I mean, he threw less innings. He only threw 145 innings last year. But he had a 2.29 ERA in that it when he was on the mound. He had a career low walk rate last year, and he still struck out, you know, nearly 11 batters per nine. So, again, I don't think I have any questions about Max Scherzer going into age 38 season on the Mets and just dominating again. Since 2012, he has had an ERA over three just twice. Um, just an absolutely incredible pitcher. He's a pitcher that I, I personally don't think like I've. It's not that I haven't given him enough respect. But I don't think I've realized the greatness, um, just how great he's actually been over the past decade. And um, a player who isn't it weird how much he kind of bounced around early in his career. And it's it's funny to think like, man, if this guy would have stayed in Detroit or if he would have stayed in, you know, uh, Arizona or what whatever it may be. And um, just a fun player to watch too. the ultimate competitor, you know, you are going to get. 100% of Max Scherzer every single outing. I love the guy. I'm both of these old heads I'm in on drafting this year. I, you know, you know what the funny thing is, is like both of these old heads, I might feel the most confident in of like the bunch here. I mean, I think the only like question for a Scherzer is how many innings does he throw? But like at the same time, he threw 180 innings in 2021. He was a little banged up last year, but like I, I'm not worried. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he threw 180 innings this year. That really wouldn't surprise me. But all right, let's move on to Dylan Cease because 
Cease is very much unlike Scherzer and Verlander, but you kind of know who they are and you know what they're about. Cease is very much the opposite. 2021, Cease came onto the scene really his first full season through 165 innings, struck out 32% of batters clay, which is ridiculous, but he didn't have the right results. A 3.91 ERA, he had a 3.65 XERA, a 3.41 FIP. And for a guy that, you know, gets it up to 100 miles an hour, had two pitches, two off-speed pitches in a slider and a curveball that had whiff rates over 40%. Like, it was almost kind of surprising that his ERA was that high. But then you look a little deeper, and yes, Dylan Cease is going to be a guy that always walks a lot of batters. But it's not something that I'm worried about and that really takes away from him. What really hurt him in 2021 was the amount of hard contact he gave up. His hard hit rate was 38.5%. Um, and his barrel rate was nearly 10%. So he was giving up a ton of hard contact on the contact that he was giving up. Um, and so he made a really, really smart change last year. And which was the big reason why he had um, a 2.2 ERA last year and a 2.7 expected ERA, right? He lowered his hard hit rate, Clay, to 31.2%, which is third lowest in baseball. The reason for that is he increased his slider usage um, almost like Otani did, where he's using his slider as his primary pitch, um, and then his fastball yeah, can work off pitch. of that. It's a beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful thing. So that's that's the change. That's what he needed to do, and he did it. 131 strikeouts on the slider last year, 43.3% whiff rate, uh, 209 slugging, 128 batting average on that slider. I mean, truly an elite pitch, probably one of the best single pitches in the game. Yeah, it, no, it really is. It really is. I mean, his slider and curveball are just two crazy pitches, and it's always like a shocker, I think. it Maybe it's becoming less of a shocker when this happens, but like, oh, your fastball that's 99 elevated is your third worst or your third best pitch. Like, how does that make sense? But that's just the world we live in where things that move fast are deadly. And Dylan Cease has those. I mean, the only thing that is really going to hurt you for with Dylan Cease is the walks, right? His whip last year of 1.11 isn't like totally elite. But I think you can look past that when you look at his elite K numbers, elite ERA. Um, like I said, having a hard hard hit rate that low is always going to translate. Um, I mean, for reference, like Julio Urias, who we view as a, another top pitcher we're going to get to on this episode, um, I think has the second lowest. But like Dylan Cease has stuff well above that of Julio Urias. It makes him that much more enticing, in my opinion. All right, let's move on to talk about Shane Bieber, who is an interesting one um, because, Clay, guess how old Shane Bieber is for me? 26. Yeah, he's entering his age 28 season. He's still 27 years old. And honestly, I think I would have guessed like if you just walked up to me on the street on a random day and I wasn't looking at fan graphs or baseball savant or whatever, I think I would probably say age 30. Like he feels, which is exactly what I was going to say. And I thought Colby's pulling a fast one. I mean, I'm just going to subtract four. Like (laughs) I I thought if he's bringing it up, it has to be a large enough difference that I have to go drastic here. I overcorrected. 
100%. I mean, okay, so so Bieber's an interesting case because the velocity has been a worry for him. Um, it's been up and down and up and down. In 2019, his velocity was 93 on his fastball. Then in 2020, he had like a one-point-something ERA. Um, his fastball velocity was 94.1 miles an hour. Like he was really getting it up there. Then in 2021, the fastball velocity dips, 92.8 eight miles per hour. Um, and he put up a 3.17 ERA and a 3.73 expected ERA. He was still getting strikeouts at a decent clip, but you could tell he wasn't his himself. He was dealing with injuries. Um, he only threw 96 innings in that 2021 season. Then last year, you're like, how could it go any lower? But it went from 92.8 miles per hour average to 91.3 miles per hour. Like, the fastball velocity is completely gone from where it was in 2020, and it drastically impacted. I mean, it didn't impact his performance in terms of ERA, right? He had a 2.88 ERA last year, a 2.87 FIP, a 3.51 expected ERA isn't amazing, but he threw 200 innings. But his strikeout rate, Clay, dropped from 33% in 2021 to 25% last year. So Shane Bieber went from legitimately having a case of being a Jacob deGrom style pitcher, like a, a top legitimate top five pitcher in the game to being a guy that we're kind of questioning, like, what is this next season going to look like for you? Like, are people going to catch up to a 91 mile an hour fastball eventually? I mean, Bieber does shield himself well because he's, he threw his slider more last year, which was a great pitch for him at 85 miles an hour. Um, batters only hit 193 against it, and his curveball has always been elite. He leaned on a cutter more last year. So, like, he's figuring out ways to get around the velocity. But, like, at a certain point, does that catch up to you? Yeah, and this is a guy who uh, batters hit 192 off of his fastball last year. He gave up a lot of hard contact. His K per nine at... Well, and you mentioned the drop in strikeouts. For anyone who's thinking percentage-wise, that, that's a K per nine from 12 to 8. Yeah. Um, that's a big difference. You're getting in like, you know, 8 Ks per nine is fine, you know, but it's not it's not lighting the world on fire. And now there is one thing. On paper, I'm kind of out on him and draft, drafting him. I'd rather take someone else around that ADP. But it's the contract year, right? This is his opportunity to earn – big money so you always yeah. have to factor that in and i hate doing that because it sounds like a cop ad it sounds kind of like you know kind of tacky almost but it's true like if there's ever going to be a time for shane bieber to come in completely focused and 100 locked in it's going to be this year because if his numbers can continue to dip and his velocities down that's going to be a huge different like a multi-million dollar difference in his future so humongous year for Shane Bieber. I'd rather select somebody else. Yeah, I mean, like the next guy we're talking about, Zach Wheeler is a guy I'd rather select at, at this ADP, right? They're going back to back. Bieber's going ADP 56. Wheeler's going ADP 59. So like right in the same wheelhouse, Julio Urias, Luis Castillo, Christian Javier, and even Kevin Gosman are in this same tier and wheelhouse, right? And honestly... I think maybe all of them might be guys that I'd rather draft over Shane Bieber, and we'll talk about why. But, I mean, look at Zach Wheeler, who this is a guy that in 2021, Clay, I don't know if you if people even really remember this, but Zach Wheeler was very, very close to winning the 2021 Cy Young. 
like very close. He only lost the vote by 10 points to Cor- Corbin Burns, and they actually split first place votes in that Cy Young Award uh, voting, which is crazy. Like he had an amazing year um, in 2021, right? Through 213 innings, had a 2.78 ERA. And then what does he do last year? He backed it up. I mean, he came into the season with some shoulder injury and concern about his shoulder, but he still threw 153 innings with a 2.82 ERA. The expected numbers were very, very good, right on par with that. Um, And Wheeler's always been a guy that has given up soft contact, right? He's fastball, sinker curveball and slider he keeps batters off balance he has elite command um so if there was a guy that i'm expecting to come into this season healthy and throw 190 200 innings with more strikeout upside than shane bieber with you know honestly more era upside than shane bieber i'm a little i'm just like a little concerned zach wheeler's a guy that i would be looking to as he's really an ace he's really really an ace yeah, and I, I I think you pretty much covered all of it. I mean, this is a guy three straight years of the ERA under three. I mean, just a solid, really solid pitcher. And I like what you're saying about um, selecting him before Shane Bieber. I wonder how many people are going to um, look into that velocity of Shane Bieber and see him drop in drafts. Um, that I, I, I just don't, I don't know. It all depends so. on your draft. And I'm not saying, like, I'm out on Shane Bieber completely. But I'm just like at this at this where he's going in the draft. I'm just a little concerned because I just don't know. And here's the other. But what we do have to acknowledge and what you you should bring up to me and be like, Colby, wait, pump the brakes a little bit here is what if he comes back and his velocity is actually back? Like, what if what if he's throwing 93, 94 this year? Like, I guess I'll eat my words and I'll be back in. I mean, that's that's the that's kind of the beautiful thing about fantasy baseball, about pitching in general is like guys are making adjustments all the time that we can't see always. And so we don't have all the information, but you you just take information as it comes to you. So we'll see. But shall we move on to Julio Urias? All right, let's yes. do it. Because Julio Urias is actually very similar to Shane Bieber, right? A guy that doesn't throw very hard, but has one of these invisible fastballs that up in the zone, just, you know, kind of that Nestor Cortez-esque fastball that yeah. guys just do not pick up at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, Julio Urias and, and Bieber are very similar, right? They have very good ERAs. Um, they don't strike out a ton of batters. Um, Julio Urias' strikeout rate last year was 24.1%. Um, Urias had a, a whip of 0.96 last year, which is definitely elite. Um, the one question for Julio Urias coming into this season is he had a 2.16 ERA last year and a 2.81 expected ERA, and that's likely due to that second lowest hard hit rate against, as I mentioned earlier. But then you look at his FIP and XFIP, 3.71 FIP and a 3.x1, 3.81 XFIP. And I think like from a context perspective, Clay, I think you almost have to like not give the FIP that much credibility in this instance because the contact that does get put into play off of Julio Urias is very soft. And that matters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I mean, it's a player that I've had on my team the past couple of years, um, probably following your hype train on him o- over the past year or two. Um, I, I, I know you were putting out a bunch of tweets about him and fantastic team. He's going to rack up wins, which wins are not a great pitcher stat, but we're talking about fantasy baseball, low ERA, 
I mean, he's just a consistent player that I want on my team. He did struggle a little bit at times last year, especially, I believe, in the beginning of the years when he struggled. Bounced back well. I mean, at this ADP, he's the exact type of player. Like, if I don't go, um, you know, it depends on your draft strategy, but if you want to just take two or three back-to-back starter pitchers around this, I I think you can get some, like, ace material right around here in the 50s to 60s, and you won't have to use a top pick on, you know, some of the players we talked about in the last episode. Yeah, so you mentioned the wins, which is one of the most random stats in fantasy baseball, and Julio Urias actually might not make this stat random. He had 20 wins in 2021. He had 17 of them last year. Um, And Clay, yeah, I I agree, man. Like, Julio Urias to me is a very safe pick because he's not going to walk a lot of batters. He doesn't give up a lot of hits. Um, it's a low whip profile, low ERA, high wins. Like strikeouts are not going to be his thing, and you kind of know that. But you can find strikeouts elsewhere. That's the beauty. Like strikeouts are not really a commodity in fantasy baseball. Like a lot of guys strike out a lot of batters these days, but not a lot of guys have really low ERAs and really low whips to go along with a lot of wins. So agreed. Hilarious. Go for it at his at his ADP right now of about 60. Um, he actually fell in one of my drafts recently to 85, which is not a bad spot to get Julio Urias. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to Luis Castillo, who is being taken really just right after Julio Urias, ADP 61. Like it's just this one big cluster of pitchers in this like 50 to 70 yeah. ADP. It's a big time pitcher. Like, and there's not, you can't really go wrong, which is kind of the good thing, I think. Like, you really can't. I mean, we're talking about, you know, really damn good pitchers on their on their own team. Some aces, some number twos. Like, um, it's a great spot. Like I said, if you want to sit back in the draft a little bit and select several of these guys, and, you know, Luis Castillo is a great one to select. I mean, I think you make a great point there, Clay. Is like, if you want to sit back take four hitters in a row to start your draft and like then grab three of these guys in a row. I think you're actually set up pretty well um, because all of these guys could produce ace like numbers. Like let's just look at what Luis Castillo did last year. Um, And there was, you know, I was very high on Luis, Luis Castillo coming into last year. I think I ranked him as my, you know, 11th, um, best starting pitcher coming into the season. That wasn't from a fantasy perspective, just from a baseball perspective, right? He had a 2.99 ERA last year, struck out you know more batters than he did in 2021. Um, the strikeout rate went from 24% to 27%. He's always been an elite ground ball pitcher. Um, there's just a lot of good things to say about Luis Castillo, and I expect him to throw more than 150 innings this year. Like, if he's fully healthy, which he should be, you can expect close to 200 innings. Um, and he's not going to, he, he really took strides to improve the walk rate, which is huge. As a, as a Reds fan, I've seen a lot of him, you know, and he has been kind of up and down at times. And, but when he is on, he's on. And that changeup is electric that he has. And um, I don't think that you can go wrong selecting him in, in your draft. I think that he's going to, you know, pitch at least 180 innings. Like, I don't see him as somebody who's going to be, like, injury-prone or anything. If you're looking at previous year stats, just remember the ballpark he was playing his home games in, in Great American Ballpark, and he still put up good stats. Um, 
a year or kind of a half season under his belt with Seattle going to be more comfortable, more time on task with their pitching coaches, their staff. I expect a big year from him. Yeah, and don't sleep on the Mariners. Like the Mariners are gonna be a really good team. And I don't think anyone is. He's got some. He's got some win upside. I don't know. Yeah. Nobody's sleeping on him, but just don't. Just don't sleep yeah. on him. Um. All right, Clay. We're, we've gotten this far, and I'm super excited to talk about this guy because I just kind of want to take a victory lap a little bit here. Oh, Christian I know Javier. Christian Javier, if for anybody out there that was listening to not gambling advice last year, where Peter and I were talking about fantasy baseball and our rankings coming to the year, Christian Javier was my top sleeper, like deep sleeper pitcher that I was just all over heading into last season. And Lordy, did I hit gold on Christian Javier because the dude went from being you know, not just a really good relief pitcher, but turn into being a damn good starter. Clay, a 2.54 ERA last year, a 2.43 expected ERA, and a 3.16 FIP, right? He struck out 33% of batters. The walk rate was a little high at 9%, but does it really matter when you're striking out that many guys? I don't really think so. And you know what the coolest part? about Christian Javier is he's from that same mold that's that Spencer Strider's from where he's a two pitch guy. He was 60% fastball, 28% slider, and then 8% curveball. But like, you know, that's just kind of mixed in there. He's a two pitch guy that will just come right at you with this nasty fastball. And for my money, give me Christian Javier at the price of ADP, you know, 65, maybe you get him in the 70 range over Spencer Strider in top 40 right? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to take a moment to clap yep. it up for Colby yeah, and his on my back yeah. a little bit, you know? Yeah. His great, <laughs> his, his great uh, pick last year, but phenomenal, you know, he's just a phenomenal player and you, and you covered most of it. And again, the guy with a, even more upside, like he has not reached his ceiling necessarily. There's still potential for him. This isn't a 34 year old established player. Like I think there's something more that he could reach, and he's on a fantastic team. I'm in on him as well. It seems like we're in on almost everybody on this list, rightfully so. We're talking about some of the best pitchers in the Yeah, MLB. I mean, like, still, at a certain point. You know, we're still top 100 picks that we're talking about, so I don't want anyone out there to think that we're just in on everyone. We're in on the best pitchers in the league, and you should No, too. but I think I'm, like, in-in on Christian Javier again. Like, the, the, the thing about Christian Javier is that – Last year was really his first time that he was starting every five days. But he threw 101 innings in 2021. He threw 148 last year. Just kind of going by this, like, you know, rule of, okay, you threw 150 innings last year. Usually guys can increase like 20 to 30% going into their next year workload-wise. If he can throw 170, 175 innings, one, I think that's going to be more than Spencer Strider's going to give you. And two, yeah. it might be at the same level of value, man. Like, he strikes out batters at such an insane rate and had, like, you go to his baseball savant page, and, like, I'm not one of those guys that's be like, oh, my God, it's all red. But, like, you go to his expected batting average, top 2% of the league, expected slugging percentage, top 5% of the league, expected um, weighted on base average. Top 4% of the league. Oh, you want to go to K percentage? Top 6% of the league. It's like, this guy was literally one of the, like, 
best pitchers in baseball last year, and he's being taken as what, like the 18th best pitcher off the board right now? Yeah. I think this is a pretty damn good value. So, yeah. all right, that's that. That I think we sold them, or at least I sold them. I don't know. Yeah. But we got two guys left to talk about, and they're both on the same team. We got Kevin Gosman, Alec Manoa. I'll let you take the reins on whoever you want to go first, and I'll take the other guy. Okay. Alec Manoa is um he was a guy that I was in on just after that, you know, glimpse that we saw throughout his his rookie year. Um, it wasn't a humongous sample size, you know, but it was enough to get me to buy in, right? It was right around, I believe, 110 innings, no, 111 innings uh his rookie year, 10K per nine and a 322 ERA. Last year the ERA 224. Now the FIP was 335, but um the strikeouts went down a little bit. And that was something that I was a little bit concerned about, but um it it didn't lead me off the Alec Manoa train. I think that he's learning to be a pitcher. He's it's gonna take some time. And I know that we talked about this. It it's not automatic with these guys. It takes them a while to adjust to what they're they're learning as they're they're pitching in the MLB, but he doesn't give up a ton of hard contact. He's not out here just walking everybody left and right. I mean, he's just a pitcher that I'm in on. And again, at this ADP, it's just this is the sweet spot for me. And this is where I want to draft my starting pitchers um, because I think that this is phenomenal value. There's still upside in this play. The floor is high. You're on a good team. You're going to get wins. He showed that he can make that jump in you know, innings as well. He went from 111 to like 190 or – 196. Um, 196 um, from his rookie year to his second year. This guy's looking like a workhorse and a damn good one at that. Yeah. I mean, if you, I don't even know what the word is. I don't have a word to describe Alec Manoa, but I mean, like, he is a heavyweight. <laughs> he yeah. is a heavyweight USC a fighter out on the freaking mound, man. This dude could be an offensive lineman on a football team. Like he's that big. Like he's he's prime CC Sabathia big. This dude is huge, which is a good thing. And I think it is a reason that he was able to go from 111 innings in 2021 to 196 last year. Clay, I think one reason that may have led to him, you know, see a little bit of a decrease in strikeout numbers is just the league getting more video and more information on a guy. Like rookie year, you're just He's out there throwing these nasty sliders and guys don't even know what to do with them. But then they get more video. They kind of know tendencies more um, and they figure those things out. So that might have been a reason why his slider whiff rate decreased a bit um, last year. But yeah, man, I mean, like just a pure workhorse. I wouldn't expect a 2.24 ERA though. So, all right, let's finish the episode. Kevin Gosman, because for whatever reason, like, are people not that high on Kevin Gosman this year? Like, I I think that people are still stunned that Kevin Gosman is what he is, right? This is a guy who kind of bounced around, good year, bad year, relief pitcher starter, wasn't exactly what everyone imagined would turn into at his age, what he has become. And I think that some people have it ingrained in their mind, like, oh, this is the Kevin Gosman that pitched for the Reds. Like, this is not the same guy that he's refined himself and he's always had nasty stuff, but the numbers are backing it up now. Yeah. And like, that was not fair. Clay. Are you kidding me? You're, you're dropping a Kevin Gosman on the reds right now. Like for anybody listening right now, that's like, 
Clay, stop lying. He didn't pitch for the Reds. He pitched for the Orioles. No, yeah, Kevin Gosman did actually pitch for the Reds. 22 innings, and his strikeout rate ballooned when he went to the Reds, man. It was a 12 per nine in that 22 innings. It was crazy. And then right after that, he got signed by the Giants. They must have saw those 22 innings and been like, oh, boy, what happened? Why did the Reds get rid of him? Actually, answer that real quick. Um. I believe it had something to do with an option in his contract that was going to be like nine or ten million dollars because they claimed him off of waivers. Oh, and um, nine or the 10 Reds are obviously not going to pay dollars. that. Don't quote me on that exact number, but I believe it was in that ballpark. And uh, the Reds were like, "We're good." And I don't know if they really wanted him to be a starter or a bullpen guy. And you know, it's kind of like, ah, Kevin Gosman, Got waiver it. guy. Thanks for the twenty-two innings, brother. Don't manage your fantasy baseball team like the Reds manage their real-life baseball team. That's my advice. Jesus, that's pretty bad. But, yeah, back to, like, Gosman of current day. I don't know. I, I really don't understand why people are not all over this guy because he's actually the flip-flop of Alec Manoa, Clay. Alec Manoa, 2.24 ERA last year, but a 3.35 FIP and a 3.31 expected ERA. Kevin Gosman last year, a 3.35 ERA. He did have a 3.34 expected ERA, but he had a 2.38 FIP. This guy, Kevin Gosman, 28% K rate, a 3.9% walk rate. Like, I don't even know how it's possible that he had a 1.24 whip because he's a ground ball pitcher. I mean, I guess he's not a ground ball pitcher. I don't know why I expected him to be a ground ball pitcher, right? 39% ground ball rate. Like, I just imagine him being a 50% ground ball guy. No, he he got close to that um, at some points in his career, but more of that. 40- I guess not. I just, like, see the splitter, and I'm like, he's got to be a ground ball yeah. guy. But regardless, regardless, I'm expecting regression more towards that 2.38 FIP this year. Like, for a guy that strikes out as many batters as he does and a guy that walks not many batters at all, it really was shocking. I think the one like the one thing against him, and it's the one thing that's working for Alec Manoa, is the hard hit rate against. Mm-hmm. Right? Alec Manoa only allows a 31% hard hit rate in both of his seasons. Kevin Gosman in 2021 allowed a 40.9% hard hit rate against. Last year, a 38.5% hard hit rate against. So that's why you're seeing higher expected ERA numbers and could be a reason why that FIP really isn't a realistic number. But I'm expecting an ERA, you know, in the low threes as just like kind of a floor for him this year. Um, And I got him recently in a draft close to pick 100. So... Maybe don't jump for Kevin Gosman. No. But if he falls, I think that's a really sick option to to grab it like late in the like right before you get to pick 100, like pick 90. Really good spot to take Kevin Gosman. So yeah, that's that's it, man. That's 11 through 20 of the top starting pitchers. And we still have a crap ton of pitchers to talk about. So many can pitchers you give, to talk about. Can you give the people a tease and just drop one name of somebody who you're excited for for next episode? Who I'm most excited to talk about next episode. A deep cut name, though. Not, you know, don't say Robbie Ray. Uh, yeah, Robbie Ray was not even close to, to coming out of my mouth. But 
I mean, I'll say I'm going to drop Nick Lodolo because I really like him as a potential option. If you want to go even deeper than that, Clay, I don't know. They're just going to have to listen next episode, I guess. All right. That was setting you up for a specific name, but we're going to have to listen next episode. Yep. That's it. All right. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. Just Fantasy Baseball. We're coming to you live next week. I don't know if we'll jump right into sleepers. Like, let's let's talk about that because there's still so many names like at the back end of this top 100 that like we might want to do like two sleeper episodes, like one sleeper episode where it's like guys ADP 100 to 250, and then like a deep sleepers episode where we kind of go through like a yeah. lot of the guys at the back end. Um, there's just so many pictures to talk about, and I enjoy talking about them. So. Yeah, we're just going to be all pitchers all the time. Maybe just fantasy pitchers is what we're going to rename the podcast. But regardless, Clay, love talking to you as always. Catch you next time, everybody. Enjoy the weekend. Adios.